This is the Cubicle Renegade Podcast, session number five. Welcome to the Cubicle Renegade Podcast, where unfulfilled desk jockeys become fearless entrepreneurs. Learn from corporate escapees and world changers who are successfully building businesses that matter. Here's your host, Caleb Wojcik. Hey everybody, this is Caleb Wojcik, and before we jump into today's interview with Pat Flynn, I got a few announcements to make. The first one is, I got a new deal with Audible.com where you can get your very own free audiobook. So if you want to pick up Chris Gillibo's $100 startup or any other new business book that's out there, just go to pocketchange.com slash free book, and you can download your very own free audiobook from Audible. The other announcement is, if you're going to be at WDS this year in Portland, I'll be there. My wife will be there. If you see me there, just reach out, say hi. Uh, we're also doing a informal kind of meetup Friday from 4 to 6. And email me at caleb at pocketchange.com for more details about that meetup. And the last announcement is the audio on this interview goes kind of in and out through Skype, but it's really great information, so I think you should stick around and listen to the whole thing. So without further ado, here's the interview with Pat Fun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cubicle Renegade podcast. Today's special guest is Pat Flynn, founder of Smart Passive Income. Welcome to the show, Pat. Hey, thanks for having me, Caleb. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been following you uh, through your blog and through your podcast even before I started back in 2010. And I had the pleasure of meeting you in person for the first time last year in Chicago at the Financial Bloggers Conference. And I had to say you had one of the best presentations there with your keynote. Thank so you, you totally rocked that. And uh so for those unfamiliar with who you are, can you give us a little bit of a background before Smart Passive Income? Sure, of course. I mean, Smart Passive Income is the blog where most people know me from, but it wasn't the first thing I did online. The first thing I did online was a site that was dedicated to helping people pass and examine the architecture industry, which is where I came from. And long story short, I used to work in the architecture industry. I loved it. Never wanted to quit my job, actually, unlike a lot of people who are online now who talk about, you know, leaving the nine to five and stuff. You know, I really mm-hmm. loved my job. I wanted to be there forever. Uh, but in 2008, I got laid off. Luckily, at the time, I had started a blog uh, to help me and a couple coworkers pass this exam. I never intended on anyone else ever ever seeing it, but it basically was my way of keeping notes and, and being able to access those notes while I was traveling and, and also have my coworkers access those notes too. And anyways, I passed that exam. I was still working. You know, I got a promotion because of, that helped my resume. Mm-hmm. And I just let that site sit there. I didn't do anything. So when I got laid off, that's when I started to explore online business. I, I actually did try to get another job in the architecture industry, but it was just that wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, nobody was building anything, so no one needed any designers. <laughs> so uh, I, I was looking for a solution, and I, I kept hearing a lot of great success stories of people doing wonderful things online, uh, helping people out and getting paid for it. And, and I said, okay, maybe this is something I could do. So I started to take some classes and read, read a ton of blogs and, and, and information about you know, blogging and online business and how that works. And I basically found out, well, if you have a site that has traffic, you can, you can eventually monetize it with various means. And so I decided to see if I could do anything with this site that I had that I left sitting there for, for six months. And again, but before that, it was up for maybe, you know, almost a year before that. So it was up for a year and a half before I even started trying to make a business out of it. And luckily, when I first started to check kind of how much traffic was coming to the site already, I didn't expect anything. And, and I saw that there were thousands of people around the world visiting my site every single day already. It was mm-hmm. just, I had no idea. I had no idea why. Uh, but I basically found out that because of all the content I put on there, I put hundreds of pages too. Uh, 
I was being found in Google and people loved the content and started sharing me or sharing the site on forums and, and in their workspaces. And it just, it just took off and, uh, without me even knowing it. So when I realized that that was happening after kind of giving, getting over that initial fear of what, you know, maybe is this site not good enough for people? I want to make sure it's great for people. I just I said, well, help me pass the exam, help a couple of my coworkers pass the exam. I think I can help other people too. So I started to advertise on it using AdSense that did okay, you know, 20, 30 bucks a day max, mm -hmm. which is great. I mean, uh, especially after being laid off, but not enough to live off of. Then I started to do some private advertising, basically renting space in the sidebar of my blog to help people uh, or help other companies get in front of that traffic that was already coming to my site. And that started to pick up a little bit as well, maybe an extra 300 to $400 a month per company. And I had maybe three or four companies advertising on that site uh, at, at its peak. But then what really changed really my life and, and, and the amount of income I was earning uh, and, and what really decided uh, helped me decide that this was something that I really wanted to do and, and pass along to people was when I created an ebook or study guide for this exam. And so I, I spent, I spent a good month and a half, uh, really taking the content that I was on my, that was on my site and packaging it in a, in a very well produced ebook, one, mm -hmm. one that was much easier to consume. And, uh, that was just very straightforward. And, and I sold that for twenty nine ninety five in the first month I had made, uh, a ridiculous $8,000, about $7,905 and 33 cents. I actually know that number. Uh, <laughs> And it was just mind-blowing. I had no idea that, that, that any of this stuff was possible. It, you know, I was making more money selling this ebook almost passively online too through, uh, through the different services I was using. For example, people can come to my site, purchase the ebook, get it delivered to them automatically via email, and I don't have to be there in order for that to happen. And, and that just really opened my eyes to the, this wonderful world of internet business and, and automation. You know, I read the four hour work week and that was a big inspiration to me as well. And so, you know, the, the first month I, was, I made more than I would have made in three months of, of architecture work. And the next month it, it went up to, I think, 9,000 and then 11,000, 14,000. Then I started to introduce other products to go along with like an audio guide. And it just shot up to, you know, 20 to $30,000 a month. And it just... Uh, it was it was ridiculous, and that's why I started Smart Passive Income, which is where most people know me from. I started to talk about how I succeeded in my other business and what I was doing to improve it, and then I started experimenting with other online business ideas to see if there were other ways or see if I can actually, you know, if 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 I wasn't a flash in the pan where mm -hmm. I can do this and reproduce and 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 have other people who hopefully are interested in it as well. Uh, reproduce it well and and learn from my mistakes. So I actually created an iPhone application company to experiment with that as far as a way to generate income. And that is doing well for almost three years now. My partner uh, for the iPhone apps and I have been generating between five and $11,000 a month, pretty much passively just through the iPhone apps we've created. And, and, and we don't build those apps ourselves. We outsource them and then put them on iTunes, which is interesting. And I've done some niche sites. I used to do article writing and, mm -hmm. and it's just, you know, all over the board. And, and it's really fun to be able to have a platform like Smart Passive Income where I can experiment with certain things, share the results, get people excited and help people kind of avoid the mistakes that I make uh, along the way. And, and that's kind of where I'm at now. And now I have this amazing brand that's taken off. You know, I, just like with Green Exam Academy, which is my lead site, I never expected Smart Passive Income to, to really make a lot of money. And now it's making more through affiliate marketing, through sharing some of the resources and tools and services that I use and people, you know, being so kind enough to go through those affiliate links to, to help me earn a commission at the same time, which is 
which is great. So I'm, I'm always trying to figure out ways to, to give back to the community and, and experiment with new things. And now I have this podcast. I'm getting invited into, uh, onto podcasts like yours, Caleb, and I'm just so thankful and, and so grateful for where life has taken me. And so uh, that's that's the, I said long story short, but that was very <laughs> short. I'm sorry, but that's, that's kind of the story. No, I, I like the whole summary because you, you start all the way in the beginning where, you know, you just started a blog for your own personal reasons and it was at least a year, maybe even two before there was any sort of revenue or income or business behind it. Mm. And it was really the act of you losing your job that really motivated you to earn anything. Because you said you weren't earning anything from it while you still worked full time. Correct. Yeah, I had no monetization strategies on it at all. Never had any intention of sharing it with people. And it was getting laid off that gave me the push and the drive to actually figure stuff out. And it's scary to know that if I wasn't laid off, I probably wouldn't have done anything. And I probably wouldn't have been introduced to this wonderful world of, of online business and, and automation. Uh, it, and so I'm really thankful for my for my layoff. I always say it's, it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Mm. And so do you think that your authenticity online is a big reason for your success so far? Yeah, I definitely think so, especially in a world where, well, going back to Green Exam Academy, being upfront about who I was, you know, I was just a regular person who took the exam and I shared my study uh, the, the way I studied for it. And it seemed to be a way that a lot of people resonated with. And I think that played a big role in my success with Green Exam Academy because people could connect with me. People you know, I was, I was very personal with people. I wasn't a company. I, you know, people emailed me, they emailed Pat, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like a customer service at blah, blah, blah.com or whatever. It was, it was me. And I think that helped, especially because after I started seeing success with the study guide that I published, the company that actually put on the exam that, that administers the exam came out with their own study guides too. And I was like, oh man, I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Would want to go through me. Of course, people are going to go through, you know, the, the actual company's site who, uh, study guide who, who puts on the exam and why wouldn't they, but you know what sales continued to, to go through because I think people, uh, knew that they would better connect with me and that, you know, also the guides were cheaper as well because I, I didn't have any overhead to pay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and I think people appreciated and, and felt more comfortable purchasing, purchasing and helping out me who was providing all this content for free on the blog and then grabbing a study guide to help themselves pass the exam too. And, you know, uh, the, the transparency and authenticity goes even uh, a longer way on smartpassiveincome.com because that this is an industry uh, of blogging and, and make money online, which is generally speaking a very negative, uh, it has a very negative light to it. When people right. think of internet business and, and online marketing and affiliate marketing, people think scam and get rich quick and, and, and just feeding off people's hopes and dreams. That's like all this disgusting stuff. And so a lot of people just show what's good and, you know, just, just, uh, kind of the, the, the dreams and the, the, the what ifs and you can make this much money. But I'm, I wanted to be honest and transparent because if I was learning online business like I did, I wanted to know exactly what was going on. So that's what I tried to share. So that's why I don't just share what's good in my business. I always share what's bad or what didn't work or what I should have done better. And I think, you know, also to go along with that, I actually post how much money I make, which uh, I had no idea that this was going to be so well received in, in this industry, but I, you know, apparently no one else was doing it or just a couple of other people. And I think it speaks 
uh, highly of, of, of what I'm exactly trying to do. You know, it's like a stock market. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like a stock in a stock market. You know, they come out with quarterly earning reports to let their investors know that that's an actual company that they should be continuing to invest in. And I, th- I think of my site as the same way, you know, if people want to invest their time, their effort, and for some people, their money as well. And the tactics and strategies that I'm teaching, I want them to know that what I'm teaching is, is real and, and, and that I'm giving them all the information they need to make an educated decision, whether or not to invest that time and, money with uh, with me as well. Yeah, and I think that a lot of people start trying to make money online by teaching people how to make money online. You want to touch on that a little bit about how you actually earned money online before you tried to teach people about it? Yeah, it's funny because I, I that, that's a very common thing to do and I think because it's the easiest thing to talk about because it, there's just so much information out there about it so it's really really easy to regurgitate information or just spit it in a little bit to make it your own and and it's kind of unfortunate because you can do a, a, like a little bit uh, you can see a little bit a little bit of immediate success but but you know as far as long term you're never going to get anywhere unless you actually have that proof or those those businesses where you, that actually qualify you to start teaching people i mean if if someone wanted to uh you know just as an extreme example if if someone were teaching me weight loss about weight loss and they were 400 pounds overweight it just it just wouldn't make sense mm-hmm. uh you know, i wouldn't trust them and, and it kind of goes the same way with with making money online like who would trust someone who hasn't made money online yet except by teaching others how to make money online so that's why i i'm i'm really trying hard to make sure that my non passive income earnings are up there as well because i don't want to be the person who only makes money from just telling other people how to do that i i'm like almost disgusted that that I'm associated with that, but that's just how it's been because my site's been, uh, you know, shared and and is 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 ranking really high in Google and and a lot of people think highly of it, which is great. But I'm really trying hard to also make sure that I'm making good side income away from that site as well. And so I'm I'm actually generating about ten to twelve thousand dollars a month on average uh, over the past year year and a half um, outside of Smart Passive Income with Lead Exam Academy uh, and and some other. Niche sites and, and iPhone apps and excuse me, things like that. So it, it's great. But I think, yeah, I mean, I would definitely use experience to help yourself teach others in a way that allows you to uh, earn money from that. So the more people you can help, the more people you get. The, the, uh, my philosophy is the more people you help, the more you're going to get paid back in return. And, and the easiest way to help is to help people with something that you have experience in. And something that's different. I mean, if you don't have any experience in making money online, you're only going to be regurgitating stuff that other people have said, and you're always going to be, you know, you're never going to be the leader of the pack. You know, you want to create things that allow you to be seen as someone who's innovative, creative, someone who's doing something new. And that's kind of what I try to do on Smart Passive Income. I mean, I'm not the only one to talk about making money online, but I always use my own experiences with my other businesses to drive my content. Yeah. And I think that's a very important piece. I think that it's very easy to regurgitate things you've read or heard. And I think if you're just always publishing stuff that's already been said before, people probably shouldn't even be listening to you unless you're aggregating it in the most amazing way possible. You know, there's probably other people people should be reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. So one of your theories is to be everywhere. And I think I initially found you through your podcast. And I know that's something that you survey your audience about is how they initially heard of you, whether it's YouTube or even your blog. How important has that been to you to have all these different kind of outposts that you have content on to attract an audience? 
Yeah, I mean, just just as a quick rundown, my my philosophy of be everywhere came about when I was preparing a presentation for Blog World Expo in LA in 2011. And what I did was I actually surveyed my readers, just my blog readers, not people on my podcast or not people on my YouTube channel, just my blog readers, and I asked them, "How did you find out about me? How, you know, was it through Google? Was it through Facebook or Twitter or my podcast or YouTube? How did you first hear about my brand?" And the results were staggering. I actually couldn't believe it. Uh, the podcast was number one with 20, 20% of people who read my blog found me through my podcast. And this, this was, you know, this was not a little, you know, uh, collection of, of survey answers. It was, it was over 10,000 responses. So Please. it was, a, it was a good, you know, uh, pool of data to, to, to look at. Um, and it was just amazing. So number two was my YouTube channel. And then number three was links from other sites and, and mentions on, on other sites. And then number four was finally social media and then Google and things like that. I and mean, Google's actually way down there. And a lot of people, fo- just a side note, a lot of people focus on SEO and search engines when really that's only 20% of my content. So, you know, you don't, that, that's not, that doesn't have to be, that, you know, not getting ranked or, or not getting a, an exact match domain, that, that's not an end all for you wanting to start a business or, mm-hmm. or um, trying to find something else to do. I mean, absolutely. If there, if you could build relationships and if you can be everywhere, which I'm about to explain, it's 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 it can do amazing things for you and your brand. And so my idea of being everywhere is is, is going onto different platforms other than your blog, just to, I mean, for, for a number of reasons, to to not only get new eyes on your brand who have never found you otherwise. I mean, there's a lot of people who email me every week who just say, you know, I found you through iTunes. I found you through iTunes. Who probably would have never found me through Google or my blog, or they, they would have never stumbled upon another blog that mentioned me. I mean, they would have never found me otherwise. And that mm-hmm. happens on YouTube. That happens on, on iTunes through my podcast. Uh, and, and not just iTunes, too. I mean, there's a lot of other podcasting networks out there like Stitcher and, and, and what have you. But uh, so, so not only do I get other eyes on my brand, but for my audience who is a part of my brand already, they see me as more of an export, uh, as, <laughs> as more of an expert someone with more authority. I'm not just a blogger, but you know, I'm, I'm a blogger, I'm a video recorder and I'm, I'm a podcast generator. So I'm, I'm hitting people from all three ways. Um, it's kind of like a, it's like a very powerful triangle that you can have in your brand. You're hitting people who like to read people who like to consume, uh, audio and people who like to consume video, but also you're just that much stronger as a brand. I mean, I don't know about you, but if I came across two people that were exactly the same, except one other person was also producing content on a podcast and on YouTube, I would definitely think of that person who is producing content on those other platforms as, as more of an expert, as someone who is out there, who's, who's, who's really passionate about what they're talking about. And I think that's really, really important. And so recently, you know, I, I, I did that uh, presentation in LA last year and I got, it was very well received. I, I posted that replay in a podcast episode and I've, not, I've been noticing a number of other people, even, even A-listers and big, big time names in the blog, blogosphere, follow that advice, create YouTube channels. I, I know uh, Corbett Barr from thinktraffic.net uh, is recently getting into the YouTube channels and producing more uh, video and, 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 you know, you're doing a podcast. I know Derek Halpern from socialtriggers.net or .com is doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Glenn Alsop from Viper Chill is doing a podcast now. Man versus Debt is doing a podcast. And, and, and they're all seeing really good things from it. I actually had Derek and Adam from Man versus Debt on a panel in uh, at Blog World Expo uh, last week, actually, talking about podcasting and what it, what it has done for our brands. And it's just been, it's just been amazing. And I think, um, that's what, I mean, just on a, 
on a pure, that's how you can get more traffic to your site level. That's, that's important too, I think, because if you just stick to your blog, you're, you're just one dimensional, you know, you, you can, you can expand out there and get more eyes on your brand, but also get more traffic to your site and just become more of an authority. That That's what being everywhere is all about. Absolutely. And I think that specifically you've talked about how your brand has grown. And I think that a lot of it has to do with how you've put yourself into the brand. I don't think that smart passive income could exist without you really. I mean, yes, there is guest content on your site, but the podcasts and the videos you do and things like that are all you and people subscribe because, you know, they're interested in you and what you're doing. And so, you know, how can people stand out through audio and video? What are, what are some of your tips possibly in both of those areas to inject that personality? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the personality is important. I mean, not every brand needs that personality. I mean, there there are definitely a lot of brands out there who are doing very su- successful things without having a, a name attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but but personally, I feel at least for my brand that the name and and, and I am very important uh, to, to the brand because that's what people can connect with, and, and that's that's the reason why I would I would le- if I had to choose one or another, I would choose definitely going with a more personal brand with a face to it because people mm-hmm. connect with people. You know, they don't they don't connect with the content. They don't connect with uh with with the design of a site as as important as those things are it's the person who is writing that content or the person who has designed that blog is is who people are going to connect with so for me i knew that my personality was a strong point which is why it's it's very prominent in my brand now as far as putting that personality into my brand through audio and video there's a lot of things that i do on my podcast you know i'm just i'm just very real i don't edit anything and i'm just i'm just me you know mm-hmm. and, and uh you know i, I inject some interesting things into the podcast for example if you if you listen to my intro at the beginning of every intro i have a little fun fact read by the movie guy voice who does the intro to the podcast about me mm-hmm. so a lot of people know that i have a dog named gizmo or that i my favorite movies from is back to the future or that you know i can play every instrument in the brass family you know th- little things like that and i know that has nothing to do with passive income or the content that i'm talking about in my brand, but it has everything to do with building relationships with people and connecting with people. And I think it's those little fun facts that that get people interested in you. I mean, when we when we think about our friends and who who our best friends are, it's it's those little cool things about them that that really make us love them the most, you know. Uh, and and same with our significant others. I mean, that's it's it's just it's just about building relationships. And and like I said, people connect with people. So trying to put yourself in your brand as much as possible is is always a smart thing to do and and that's how i do it uh through audio and and via the podcast now through video you know one of the most simple things you could do is just put your face in your video mm-hmm. and although that scares a lot of people it scared me at first you'll go back into my video archives on youtube and you'll notice that a lot of my first videos have don't have my face in it at all and that's okay i think if you're starting out and you're you're afraid of putting your face out there at least you have your voice and you can practice and you can get more comfortable with video and then eventually start to put a little bit of your face in there and, and, and chat with people and, you know, look right into the camera. So people looking into the video or looking right into your eyes. And, and I think that's important, too. That's that's a little tr- trick is is the eyes. The eyes in the video are very important. Um, and, and again, just being real and, and being honest and upfront with people and transparent, uh, you know, no matter what medium you're on is is is, is a big thing. And um, yeah, I mean. On, on video, it's just uh, it's basically the same thing as podcasts. It's just people can see things, and and you know, for me, and this might help some of you who are trying to decide, you know, do I do audio, do I video, do do I do video, or or what? Uh, the video I like to do when there's there's a technique 
that I have to teach that would be very difficult to do with audio. For instance, if I'm running through a tutorial on how to use a particular piece of software, it's a lot easier for people to consume that content on a video as opposed to an audio. Now, every once in a while, I'll inject some personality into my videos. And I'll put my face on there. Sometimes I'll put, you know, uh, I have a video of a little contraption I made out of a choo-choo train that my son got for Christmas <laughs> that knocks these things over and knocks this over. And then at the end, it says Merry Christmas. I mean, it has nothing to do with my brand, but again, everything to do with, with building a relationship with my audience. And it's um, you know, I have some pictures of my son and my family on there and, uh, you know, that connects with people more as well. I mean, you, you go on my blog and the first picture you see is a picture of me and my son. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big family person and I, and I try to portray that in, uh, in my content, no matter where it is. I mean, just thinking back to, to the podcast as well, there's a couple episodes where I had my son who's only two speak on the microphone and I, and I get a lot of emails about that actually. Hey, it was, it was really cool to hear your son on the podcast today. It was, that was, that made my day. And I'm like, Hey, that's cool. You know, I don't have to do that, but those little things go a long way with people in the audience. So you have a lot of different streams of income. Specifically, you have some niche sites that are, you know, really heavily based on a third party like Google. And then you have, you have affiliate marketing that's very much based on you. And if you don't do anything, then you aren't going to earn the money on it. Which do you prefer doing? Do you prefer learning how Google's algorithms are working and creating niche sites and things like that, or do you not prefer to do that anymore? Um, I prefer having more control, mm -hmm. and Google recently has been showing that it's very hard to control what's going on with them because they're making a lot of changes. You know, I, I have these niche sites, and they're, they're doing well, and even with their most recent changes, they're still doing pretty well, luckily. Uh, but, you know, I would much rather... You know, I really, it all comes down to how much value am I giving to people? With niche sites, for a long time, people had the idea that, you know, they could game the search engines and, and, and rank high in Google. And, and a lot of people were sacrificing good content for that. You know, they were just writing for search engines, not for people. And, you know, now they're starting to see the penalties behind that. And I, I do have one niche site that's, that's doing really well. And I, and I feel it's doing really well because it's still providing a lot of great value to people. It's a my security guard training niche site, which is actually helping people get jobs in the security guard training industry, which, which is amazing. I actually have a job board on the site where I can see that there's a lot of activity. And a lot of people finding jobs, and, that, and that's great. And so a lot of my smaller niche sites that I was experimenting with that didn't really do much, that were trying to just write content just for Google to rank high, those are getting, you know, those aren't seeing as many as many returns. Those aren't ranking as high anymore. And so really what I think it's about now is just providing as much value to people as possible and affecting the most people as possible at the same time. And, and with the with the personal brand like Smart Passive Income or Greetings Academy, I'm able to do that much more. And as a result, I'm seeing a lot more returns. So I... You know, niche sites are great. They're interesting, and 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 they're they're a great way to start out because you can see returns a lot faster than if you were to create a personal blog about mm -hmm. a particular hobby that you have. But in the in the long run, I, I really think it's those 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 authority sites, those ultimate resources for a particular topic, you know, where you can imagine that your site is going to be a household name for whatever topic that is. That that's what you want want to be like. You know, mini niche sites, uh, those those don't have that same effect, I think. And, and uh, you know, you want to be that household name and that that's how you can really become a brand that people go to, that people share when whatever niche you're talking about comes up in conversation. Yeah, and I totally agree. I think that 
it's the difference between short-term versus long-term results and like, what's your long-term goal and you know is this something that you just want to make some quick money at and maybe it's not going to work in six to 12 months or is this something that you want to spend years building is it like your mm -hmm. legacy that you're trying to build so yeah what would you tell someone that is perhaps listening to this in their cubicle or on their commute and they feel they just feel stuck and they don't know where to get started what what are some of the first few exercises you would recommend they go through to you know decide which direction they should go in online right well definitely going online would be a would be the first decision knowing that that's something that you'd want to do and knowing that you know you don't want to be in a cubicle anymore i think that's very important because some people don't even know that some people get stuck and then eventually when they're 65 they realize oh crap i just wasted all this time i mean some people love their job i mean i love my job and i mm -hmm. probably would have been happy if i stayed in my cubicle till i was 65 and that's okay for some people i mean if that's if that's what you enjoy that's great as long as you're happy that's that's really what matters here and, f and i know for a lot of people their current jobs aren't making them happy so doing something online and understanding that that's the path that you want to take it would be the first step now in addition to that obviously you know the question you're at, you have to ask yourself is okay what can i do and i think it's not really what can you do but it's what can you do for other people what do you have to offer that other people can benefit from and i know for a lot of people they're going to be like I don't really have that much uh, to offer or, oh, there's already a lot of people out there who are doing the same thing. And that's very common. And don't let that stop you, though, because there is something in there. And I, I, I truly believe that in every person, if you have the drive and the energy and the patience, you can create an online business based on something that you have experience with in your life. You just have to really want it. Now, as far as what that is, there's a lot of uh, there's a, a number of things that that you can do or ask yourself. The first thing is you can ask yourself, okay, what do people come to? Uh, what do people come to me for advice for? That's a big one. You know, for me, when I passed the lead exam, a lot of people were asking me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, well, how how did this exam work? Or you know, what what are my first steps and and things like that. So, is there anything in your life that people come to you for advice for often? Uh, that would be the, a great place to start, and then start to do research on what else is out there already that uh, is talking about the same thing and, and more than like, I mean, a hundred percent, I almost guarantee that there's someone already talking about that as something that, uh, that what, if you, if you have something that you have experience with that a lot of people ask you questions about, I guarantee there's someone else out there already talking about that. And that's good. That means there's a market out there for whatever it is that you're interested in Absolutely. now. It, 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 yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people see that and they're like, Oh, I'm done. You know how many dry cleaners there are in San Diego? There's like 456 <laughs> dry cleaners. I mean, uh, I mean, I know that's location based, but I mean, there's a need for for different people to talk about the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, some people might not connect with who's out there already and connect with you better. Uh, and also, it's it's beneficial because you can see what else is out there and what's missing, and you can see what people what you can do better than others, or 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 what you can do to provide more value to people who are already consuming that type of that type of information. So I think that's really important. Now if you're having trouble thinking of something, what I would do is is a tactic that was taught to me by Glenn Allstop from viperchill.com, which is how, actually how I came up with my security guard training topic. Um, and, and just a side note because we were talking about little niche sites and authority sites. Uh, that site I'm actually taking it to the next level. So I'm actually going to be hiring some writers for it. I'm going to be uh, creating a database of security guard training companies around the world and, and really turning it into the ultimate resource. I think that's that's a big, that's my thing in 2012 is, is, is you know, getting away from the little sites and mini mm -hmm. sites with just five pages, but creating an actual ultimate resource. So even if it's a little niche site that, that maybe some of you started already, if there's a way that you could turn it into something bigger, 
uh, something more useful, then, then, then that would be a way to go. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where that takes me. But anyways, um, going back to it, you know, the, the thing that Glenn also taught me was to write down your uh, passions, your uh, passions that you have, problems that you have, and fears that you have. Because those three things, if you write down a bunch of those things, most likely there are other people out there who are interested in those things as well. And then you can continue to do the market research like we just talked about, see what else is out there, see what you can prove upon. Um, you could even do keyword research if you wanted to, to see how many people are actually typing those things into Google to get a feel about how popular some of those things are or where there may be holes in those markets, you know, uh, niches within those niches, for mm -hmm. example. Um, like maybe you like dog training. Yeah, that's a huge internet marketing niche. I mean, there's a ton of people talking about dog training, but how many people are talking about training chihuahuas? You know, probably a lot less. Or how mm -hmm. many people are talking about training chihuahuas in California? You know, mm -hmm. things like that. So there's there's ways to take things that are being talked about a lot and, and narrow them down. And, you know, the, the riches are in the niches. I mean, not, not niche sites, but, it, you know, getting down into the niche and becoming the expert at one particular thing. I mean, uh, it, it's going to be very hard to become the expert at just dog trading. You know, there, there's already people that do that. There's the dog whisperer. Yeah. But um, I forget his name. But, uh, the, but you can become the expert chihuahua dog trainer, for example. Or, you know, that, that's just an example. But you can, you can really niche yourself down and become the expert, you know, and, 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 um, you know, for example, with green exam Academy, you know, I wasn't the expert at architecture. I wasn't the expert at green buildings. I wasn't the expert at architecture exams. I was the expert at an architecture exam about green buildings and sustainable design. And that was it. And, you know, doesn't take that many people, uh, to, to follow you and, and to purchase your stuff or to, uh, you know, to become a part of your tribe, to really make things happen for you in your life. I mean, when you think about how much money you're making in your cubicle versus how much, how many customers it might take to, to purchase a $49 product that might teach them something, uh, it doesn't take very many. And with online stuff, you know, you can get paid for your efforts as opposed to just getting salary, which, which that was the biggest thing for me that I've noticed is, is you know, the more work I put into it, the more I get back in return. Back then, when I was working in the cubicle, as much as I loved it, I was putting in way more work than anyone else in my office. I knew mm -hmm. it. I mean, I was getting promoted for it, which is great. But there were slackers who were in positions above me who were just kind of breezing through, and they were getting paid way more. And I was like, why? Well, they they didn't even – it just – you know, the, the whole getting paid for your efforts uh, thing wasn't very applicable in, in – in the cubicle space. Uh, and, and that's what I love the most about online business. You know, if, if, if I do great things, great things will happen. If, uh, if, if I don't make much money, it's probably because I didn't do enough yet and I had, I got to do more and I can figure it out. Yeah. And you touched on so many amazing points there. And I think the one that stands out the most to me is, is the riches are in the niches piece that you talked about. And, you know, you were the expert or one of the experts, even along with the company that ran the test, of that one singular test and you were able to build a business around it. So, and, and it was something you were, you were passionate about, but maybe it wasn't, you know, it, that exam didn't keep you up at night, but it was something <laughs> that you, like that you knew enough about that you could turn into a business and that you could sustain your life on after, you know, after tragedy of losing your job. And, and so, so people just need to find whatever that, whatever that thing is and, and go for it and try a few things and see what works, see what you're interested in. And, and, you know, really, really try to be the expert in something that there isn't someone in. 
but yeah. but find or, a niche that's that's populated so you know there's the demand for it you know yeah exactly and and, and you touched on a, you you slightly touched on a, on a very important point that I want to make sure that people hear and that's that's the idea of you know experimentation and trying things out the whole idea behind that is you know you're going to try things out and you're going to fail you know I failed a billion times you know I got lucky with the lead exam stuff but I tried other businesses that just sucked and and didn't work <laughs> out mostly because uh, I was trying them. I, I knew they were profitable but I w didn't have any interest in them and so I, I put an effort and then I just you know the uh, after the honeymoon period was over just my interest died and I think you don't need to to be, you know, the the whole you know, yeah, you got to do something that's passionate. That that's true, but you know, not in, passionate in a sense that, like you said, it keeps you up at night and it's all you can think about. But just passionate in the sense that it's something you're interested in enough that you get to a point where you it might you know you might not see results right away that you can keep going with it. Um, and and I think that's important. And knowing that you're going to fail along the way, and all you have to do is just fall forward and keep getting back and not letting those failures stop you. I mean, that's that if you ask any successful entrepreneur, if they're honest with you, they're going to tell you, I failed a number of times, but I kept going. Mhm. Mm yeah, and I, I mean, there's many cases throughout history too of, you know, the the obvious one is Edison of how many light bulb filaments he tried and things like that and, you know, Abraham Lincoln ran for Senate and other political positions like six times and lost every single time before he became president. And now he's such a huge person in the history of the United States. And, you know, there's so many times when you can fail and yeah, it's really easy to give up. And so yeah, absolutely. I mean, Tim Ferriss for our work week, just as a more modern example, he took his book to, oh gosh, over like 20 publishers, I think. And they all said, screw it. It's just, mm -hmm. this is a dumb book. And then one finally said, okay, Let's go with it. And now it's, you know, it was a New York Times bestseller. And now he's he's come out with two other books or one other book and another one on the way. I mean, so many great things have happened. And he could have easily just given up uh, each of those 20 times when people said no. But he he just knew that it was something that, that should be out there. He just kept going. Yeah. And sometimes you just have to listen to yourself because other people don't know what you know. And <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Well, I think that's that's a perfect way to end this, this interview. And uh, thanks so much for being on the show, Pat. Yeah, no problem, Caleb. I appreciate it. It was, it was fun. So once again, sorry about the audio quality at different points in that interview, but I think Pat touched on a lot of very important pieces that I just couldn't edit out. If you have enjoyed this or any other episodes of the Cubicle Renegade podcast, I'd really appreciate any reviews on iTunes. So far, we were up to 10 five-star reviews from Benny, David, Andrew. Thank you guys so much for your reviews. I really appreciate it. It helps Pocket Change reach a whole new audience. So until next time, I'm Caleb Wojcik. Catch you on the flip side. Thanks for listening to the Pocket Changed Cubicle Renegade podcast at www.pocketchanged.com. To read this episode's show notes or check out other sessions, head over to cubiclerenegade.com.